0: Well, Lord, once again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your precious people that are gathered together to, to hear your word and to be taught by you. And Lord, that's it. We want to be taught of the Lord today. You said uh, your children will be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. And Lord, I claim that all the time for my children. That They would have that great peace that they would be taught of you. Lord, Amen. teach us so we can teach others. Yes. Encourage us, direct us. Yeah, we've heard a lot of teaching, we've read a lot of Bible, but we could learn something new today. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you for opening the eyes of our heart to see Mm -hmm. something new and fresh and in a direction that would guide our feet. We pray your blessing on the word. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people shout it. Amen. Amen. Well, I've been reading in the uh, book of Deuteronomy and uh, the first three chapters, and I thought I'd share some scriptures out of this portion of scripture. And I think, uh, unless we can think of a better title, I think I'm going to call this Navigating Generational Transitions. Navigating Generational Transitions. So we might think, well, that doesn't sound too important. But, you know, with the experience I've had going to Europe and seeing what's happened to the work of the Lord in England, and now we're going to a new nation that's New nations that have very few Christians, even though in years past they did. Uh, navigating transitions with new generations is a big deal. How do we flow with the next generation? How do we reach them? How do we encourage them? How do we release them? Uh, what is our part? And what can we do? What, what should we not do? You know, what, what, how do we fit into the plan of God? And that's one of the good things about the Word of God. We can look and we can get the picture, the big picture of what God wants us to do. And I believe that's why I believe in reading the whole Bible, so we can get the big picture. Amen. Because sometimes you know we can read a portion of Scripture and yeah, we draw a lot of truth out of that. But it's like it can be uh, not seeing the forest for the trees, right? We're in the midst of the of all this what's happening. But what's the big picture? And so we need to see what is God's big picture. What's he really trying to do and and understanding what he's doing in the generations and what he's doing in this particular season. So uh, as I was reading this, this is just in my daily reading. I was reading Deuteronomy here, and some things really stood out to me concerning uh, navigating generational changes or transitions. Um, So I'm going to read some some, uh, portions of this And uh, the first three chapters of this is, of course, Moses talking to the children of Israel. And uh, Deuteronomy means second giving of the law. So what Deuteronomy primarily is about is Moses reiterating the law to the children of Israel. Because, of course, the law was given at Mount Oreb, or Mount Sinai. I guess it goes by both names. And You know, of course, uh, that was like 40 years before this. So in Deuteronomy, they're getting ready to go in and possess the land. Everybody say, possess the land. Possess the land. Now, it was not God's intent that they had to wait 40 years. But because of the unbelief, because some people bought the lie, uh, the the whole plan of God was delayed for 40 years. You understand what I'm saying? It was not the will of God, but yet that's what happened. some people have the idea, well, whatever happens, that's the will of God. Well, I don't think you bear that out in Scripture. Because man can mess things up. But yet God will have his way. God will have his way. He said, as I live, says the Lord, the whole earth will be filled with my glory as the waters cover the sea. He's going to get the job done. Amen. He's going to find somebody that will cooperate with his plan and walk out His will to see His will accomplished in this earth. Can I have an amen? Amen. Amen. And so after this 40 years, you know, Moses has the perspective, he has the big picture, he understands what God wants to do. And so he's speaking uh, to the children of Israel about their destiny as they're about to go into the Promised Land. In the first three chapters, he is primarily reiterating or giving them the history of the 40 years. Can you imagine this is a generation that, uh, you know, this is a new generation. This is a new group of people. They, they, didn't, they didn't have all the experience. They're ready to go in, but they didn't have the history. So he's giving them a history lesson and an understanding of what God's doing so that they can fit into their part. So let's read some of this, uh, beginning in chapter 1, verse 6. It says, the Lord our God spoke to us in Oreb, saying, you have dwelt long enough in this mountain. <laughs> you know, God is on the move. Amen. Uh, you know, he does not want us just sitting still all the time. Amen. I mean, there is a time to wait on the Lord. There is a time to sit before the Lord. Amen. There is a time to rest. Amen. But God told them, get up and get going. Amen. He said, you have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Now this is the place where uh, God appeared to Moses, that where the uh, commandments were given, where the law was given. And uh, so he called them out of that place and sent them to uh, Kadesh Bornea. So turn and take your journey and go to, go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, to the mountains and to the lowland in the south and on the seacoast. To the land of the Canaanites and to the uh, Lebanon, as far as the great river, the River Euphrates, which is a huge area. They never did possess all that. See, I have set the land before you go and possess the land, which the Lord your, uh, the Lord swore unto your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them, and their descendants after them. Well, that's interesting too, isn't it? He says, Well, I promised you this land. Right? And, you know, sometimes with the, you mentioned some prophecies, and we might say, Well, you know, uh, you know I just, I don't know, that must not have been God, but maybe it was. And it's a promise of God, but it must be possessed Amen. by us. You know, uh, Paul told Timothy, Take the prophecies that have been spoken over you and war a good war with them. You see? If God speaks, that's ammunition. Are you here today? Yes. If God speaks, that's ammunition for you. So take what God has said, and war a good warfare with it. So anyway, that's a little sideline, but he's, God is saying, I've given you this land, now go get it. So again, he's reiterating now history, and in the 19th verse, It says, so we departed from Oreb and went through all that great and terrible wilderness, which you saw on the way to the mountains of the Amorites, as the Lord our God had commanded us. Then we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, you have come to the mountains of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be be discouraged. So Moses says, go get it. And every one of you came near to me and said, let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us of the way by which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come. You know, I noticed here that these spies, when they were sent into the land, their purpose was not to go up there and decide if they should go possess the land. Their purpose was to go up and see how we should go possess the land. Amen? Amen. And you know, it's one thing to know the will of God, but it's another to know how to accomplish the will of God. Yes. And see, this is what I see. This is where we're at. This is where Susan and I are at. This is where this church is at. This is where the body of Christ is at. We need to know how to accomplish what God has put in our hearts. Yes. We need to know the steps that the Lord wants us to take to accomplish uh, reaching Spring Grove and reaching this area for Jesus Christ. Yes. Amen? Because he, folks, he knows how to do it. Yes, he does. <laughs> he knows how to do it. And the reason for success in the Book of Acts is that they were following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so this is an hour that more than ever it's crucial for us to learn how to follow the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. You know, and, and uh, we need to learn to walk in the Spirit, so we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh, and we won't be floundering around, amen, doing things that aren't really. Uh, significant or important or, or profitable is the best word there, but we can actually accomplish what God wants to do because He knows how to get the job done. He knows the connections. He knows uh, the actions. He knows how to bring things together uh, to cause um, the word I'm looking for uh, the fire to ignite. <laughs> bring things together so the fire combustion. He knows how to produce combustion. (laughs) Can I have an amen? amen? And the plan pleased me well. So I took 12 of your men, one man from each tribe. And they departed and went up to the mountains and came to the valley of Ishkol and spied it out. They also took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us. Amen. See, a fruitful land. God's bringing us into a fruitful land, folks. So they brought back word to us saying, it's a good land, which the Lord our God is giving us. Nevertheless, nevertheless, that's where you get in trouble, right? Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us to the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. So there's, you know, it's interesting, uh, there's some things revealed here uh, in this account in Deuteronomy that, that weren't necessarily in the original account in, in Numbers. He says, well, it's because the Lord hates us. He's brought us out here, so we'll be destroyed. Well, wait a minute now, this is the God that miraculously brought them out of Egypt, I mean, who gave them manna in the wilderness, I mean, who provided abundantly for them, and yet they've got an attitude that he hates them. Nah. See, one of the things that hinders us greatly is an inaccuracy of our knowledge of God. Who he's like in the character of God. God doesn't hate you. God's not against you. God's for you. Amen. Amen. God's for you. He's not against you. And if you get that through your skull (laughs) and into your heart, amen, it'll make all the difference in the world because how you view yourself is really based on how you view God. You see? They said, oh, there's giants. Remember, they said, oh, there's giants in the land and we are like grasshoppers. They saw themselves like grasshoppers. Well, of course they're not going to go up if if you see yourself like a grasshopper, you you know, the only thing you want to do is hide out, right? They weren't grasshoppers. They had the spirit of God with them. They had God's calling. They were promised that land. Amen. And of course Joshua and Caleb rose up and said, "We are well able. Let's go up and possess the land at once." Right? Because they had a different image of God. If God's for us, amen, who can be against us? Amen. So they had a confidence, right? Not in themselves, but in God. And that's what we need to do in this hour. We have to have a confidence in the Lord and his opinion of us, amen, and, and what his will is. His will is good, amen? And even when, when we miss it, his will is good. He just wants us to confess our sin, get back on track, claim the blood of Jesus, amen, and walk in our righteousness. He's made provision for that. He knows we're dust. Amen? He knows we're going to miss it. Praise God. But he'll forgive us. And his grace will be upon us. Amen? Now, we can't ignore sin. You know, we can't just say, oh, okay, sirrah sirrah You know, this is just the way it is. I'm just, a no. He, he wants us to confess our sin. Amen? Confess when we miss it and get back on track so we can walk in the spirit. And accomplish his will. And there's coming a time when somebody's going to figure that out. Amen. And walk in the light of the word. And that's that's the group of people that's going to bring change in this earth. Amen. Praise God. I'm getting excited up here. Praise God. Where were we? You murmured in your tents. And said, because the Lord hates us. He's brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us to the hand of the Amorites." See, because they were looking in the natural. They weren't looking in the spirit. They were being guided by natural thinking rather than by the word of God. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying the people is greater than taller than us. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of Anakim there, the giants. And I said unto you, Moses, again, he says, I said unto you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. In other words, hey, you've seen it before. You'll see it again. That's why, you see, we need to remember what God has done for us. Amen. So that we can walk in the new season. We've got to draw from the old season you know, about those victories from the old season. Like, uh, like David said, I've been young, and now I'm old. But I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. Amen? Amen? He's drawing out of that resource of experience with God. Amen? And remembering the goodness of God. See? And so this is what Moses is doing. He'll fight for you. According to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went till he come to this place. Yet for all that you did not believe the Lord your God, who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents, to show you the way that you should go. In other words, here's his guiding light, you know, the, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. He guided you to a place where he could set up your tents. <laughs> See. He was continually guiding you. And the Lord heard the sound of your words and was angry and took an oath saying, surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land, which I swore to give them uh, to their fathers, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him, his children, I am giving this land, which he walked because he wholly followed the Lord. In other words, he. He was consecrated, he was not moved by the circumstance, but he decided to follow the Lord and believe the Lord no matter what. And the Lord was angry with me for your sake, saying, even you shall not go in there. And I believe that was because he got, <laughs> Moses got angry and smote the rock when he was supposed to speak to the rock. The first time he was supposed to smite the rock that represented Christ being smitten. But once Christ was smitten, it's done, right? Amen. So he wasn't, after that, he was not to keep smacking the rock, right? Then speak to the rock. That's where we are. The Calvary is a finished work. We don't go back and do it over again. We don't put him to an open shame over and over again. He's done it. It's completed. So now we believe it and we speak it moses didn't do that he got mad at the people and smote the rock well the water came out but that was at the point there when god says you're not going in bud now god continued to bless Mo- i mean god's the memory of moses is blessed right Yes. And, and uh you know but he didn't make it in but he knew what was happening and this is why he's giving them this information he's giving them the divine perspective that they need to fulfill their ministry. He was preparing for the next season. But Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go in there, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Moreover, your little ones and your children, who you say will be victims, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. To them I will give it, and they shall possess it. Praise God. Now notice in the second chapter, first three verses, Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke unto me, and we skirted Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke unto me, saying, you have skirted, King James says, compassed, in other words, circled, you have skirted this mountain long enough, turn northward and command the people, saying, you're about to pass through the territory of your brethren. He goes on gives them particular instruction about who they were to fight with and who they were not to fight with. But I want you to notice there, God said, You've gone around this mountain long enough. It's time to go possess the land. Can I have an amen? Amen. It's it's time time to quit walking around in circles, and it's time to go possess what God has for you. Can I have an amen? Amen. Now, when I read that scripture, this is kind of what prompted me, really, to share this with you. (coughs) I thought of this prophecy that we had here a few months ago that the Lord gave us, and I, I, later on I had written it down, what I could remember. And uh, this I'll read it to you. What This is the gist of it. Prophecy here at Forest Glory Church. There are places you have not gone yet in my spirit. You've been traipsing around the same places over and over again. Now this is a challenge from the Lord, right? Yes. He's speaking comfortably, but he's also saying, hey, come on, let's get with it, right? He's not, uh, he's not slamming us, but he's encouraging us. You've been traipsing around the same places over and over again. It's time to move into new places in the Spirit. It's a new day, but it will take more consecration to move into this new dimensions of my Spirit. You will need to set yourself apart to me more than you have before. So, set yourself apart to me by prayer and fasting and obedience, and I will bring you into the new places, says the Lord. But as you are obedient to walk in my spirit, and it's kind of this, you might say the second part here, but as you are obedient to walk in my spirit, you will experience me in ways that you have not before, and there will be expressions that will come forth from that into your outward life you will see the miracles, signs, and wonders you have desired. Even as Jesus said that he did what he saw the Father was doing, you will see things in the secret place, and they will be expressed in your life and your ministry." So, God is talking about going places in the Spirit, right? In dimensions of the Spirit, in different places than we've been before. Because we can get comfortable just cruising around the same old mountain, amen, oh yeah, we pray in tongues, and yep, we can able to get uh, the feeling of the Spirit, you know, and we can get in the Word, but God says, now come on, I've got more for you in the Spirit, see, reach out into new dimensions. I don't know if any of you have experienced this, but in praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues, <clears throat> there's times when I find that it's like I'm going into other tongues than I've been praying before. I mean, there's other, it's like uh, another language. And when that happens, it seems like that's the coordinates with the time that I'm moving spiritually into a new dimension. It's very interesting. But anyway, the Lord's telling us to come into another dimension spiritually, a place where we'll be closer to him. Susan and I were talking about this on the way down. We want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We don't want to miss opportunities or miss the Spirit in situations. We want to be keen to the Spirit so we know what the Lord is doing. And God says, when we do this, come into this dimension, then it will also find expression in our outward life, in our ministry. In other words, it will not just be in the spirit, but because it's in the spirit, then it will also manifest in the natural. Um, we will find things happening in the natural that were not able to happen because we weren't in position for them. So, And then the last part of that, it will be like Jesus who said, you know, I think it's John 5, 19. He says, um, uh, The things I'm doing I don't do on myself, but I do what I see my Father doing, you see. So Jesus, we look at the miracles in his life, the ministry, the things that he accomplished in three years, he says, well, it's because I see what my Father's doing, you see. Now Israel, they couldn't see what the Father was doing. That's why those 12 spies came up and only 10 10 came back because they couldn't see what God was doing. They were blind to what God was doing. So this is an hour we've got to have our eyes open to what God is doing so that we can move with him and accomplish the things that he wants accomplished. Can I have an amen? Amen. So now in the third chapter... And, uh, okay, in the 21st verse, and we'll read down through the end of the chapter, and the, the heading in my Bible says, Transition of Leadership. And I commanded Joshua, this is Moses still speaking, this is the fifth book of Moses, final book of Moses, and I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. See, this is after they had already possessed, what, the land east of the Jordan, right? They, they hadn't gone in to get it all, but they had taken some of it. So he's, he's you saw what happened to these two kings. So will the Lord do to all the kingdoms through which you pass. You must not fear them for the Lord your God himself fights for you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Is anybody else getting excited today? Praise God. Hallelujah. Then I pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, O Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God, small g, is there in heaven or on earth who can do anything like your works and your mighty deeds? I pray, let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, these pleasant mountains in Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. He says, no, right? Now, here's Moses. I mean, he's, he's got power with God, right? Remember, he prayed. <clears throat> that God would be merciful and not kill kill off Israel. And God answered. He t- changed his mind because of Moses' prayer. But on this account, he says, no, nope, you're not going. And don't talk to me about it anymore. <laughs> Interesting, huh? Go up to the, ta- the top of Pisgah and lift your eyes towards the west, the north, the south, and the east. Behold it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over Jordan. But command Joshua, and encourage him, and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them. Everybody say, cause them. See, Bones, you were talking about this next generation. Joshua said, will cause them to inherit the land. So, folks, if you think you don't have a role God wants you to be in the Joshua Company to cause them to inherit the land which you will see. So we stayed in the valley opposite Beth Peor. And then he goes on and he reiterates the law to them. (coughs) Now, there was four thoughts that came to me out of this. Or we could say four types of Christians. that I see in this journey, and this uh, transition from coming out of Egypt and going into the Promised Land. First of all, number one was the older generation. And these are the ones that believed the lie. And as a result, they spent the rest of their lives walking around in circles in the wilderness waiting to die. So they had an existence. They were out of Egypt. The Passover lamb was shed for them, the blood of the Passover lamb was shed for them, but they had no inheritance in the promised land. And by the way, I don't believe the promised land is a picture of heaven. It's a picture of the victorious Christian life. Heaven is procured by the blood of Jesus, amen, his forgiveness. But these were a people that came out of Egypt Right? They came out of the, the world, they were, they were um, delivered by the blood of the lamb uh, and Passover, and they followed the pillar of cloud for, and pillar of fire for a time, but when it came time to go possess the lamb, they believed the lie more than the truth. And as a result, they spent their whole life walking around in circles, not accomplishing a thing. Yeah, they settled for, they missed their inheritance. They settled for this wilderness existence. Then the second one I want you to see is Moses. Moses understood Israel's destiny and cooperated with it. He passed on the baton, but he himself was not able to enter into the Promised Land. Thank God for Moses. You know, he had, the, he had the divine perspective. He was able to teach the next generation. and He was able to pass the baton on to the next generation. And I thank God for that. And, you know, obviously very significant. I mean, God, before he went over, God himself buried him. He was not buried by the children of Israel. Uh, at the Mount Transfiguration, him and Elijah were the ones that were there. Uh, the, all of Israel followed Moses as their shepherd or their leader, even after he was gone. He was, there, he was They were always reading his writings. Very, very significant man in the plan of God. But yeah, he could not himself go possess the land. And that's where sometimes, for me, you know, of course I'm just a young guy, but they talk about passing the baton. You know, yeah, I see that, but At the same time, I'm still running the race. Hello? How about you? Amen. Praise God. I'm still running the race. I'm not ready to go out to pasture yet. Then the third group of the four types of Christians would be the Joshua Company, which would include Caleb too. Now, Joshua was the transitional leader who led the next generation into the Promised Land. I know I had a prophecy that I really felt was from God, a lady prophesied that Susan and I would lay hands on people, young people, for evangelism. That's great. You know, Joshua, well, I'll talk about Caleb in a minute, but uh, Joshua was the transitional leader who led the next generation into the Promised Land. Now, Caleb also was a leader, but not like Joshua. Joshua was the leader. Caleb was a leader. You know, there's people in the body of Christ. They might not have a title, but they're still leaders, right? So Caleb was a leader. He led by example. He carried a spirit of conquest. Because remember when he went into the land, he says, give me my mountain. He says, I'm well able to go possess it. I'm 80 years old, but I can go get that mountain. Amen? So these guys were really important, right, to the next generation. Amen. So the Joshua Caleb company, that's where I think I want to lie. But we have to decide, where are we in this? You know? Are we going to be the older generation walking around in circles? Or are we going to be Moses, you know, teaching the next generation, but not able to go in? Or are we going to be have a spirit of, like Joshua and Caleb, we are well able to go up and uh, possess the land. And then finally the fourth type Christian is the next generation. The next generation had the energy to fulfill the mission but needed leadership and the wisdom and perspective of the previous generation to accomplish their task. You know, I, I guess looking back, you know, on the move of God that we had here in the in the 70s, I think that's what we needed more of. We needed more of the perspective uh, of the previous generation and the wisdom of the the previous generation, see? Because this new generation, this next generation, they couldn't go possess the land without Joshua and Caleb going with them. They needed that leadership in order to fulfill their mission in life that's why the generation that you're talking about millennials and millennials and gen xers and so on they need us yeah. they may not realize it but they need us that's right and you know the truth of the matter is we need them yes yes because otherwise you know we're going to yeah we're going to have some nice fellowship and get in the word and all that but we're not really going to see our mission and our destiny fulfilled without them so we need them. Joshua and Caleb couldn't go up and possess all that land by themselves. Right? They needed the younger generation. And the younger generation needed them. Can I have an amen? Yeah. Some scriptures on generations. I'll give you just a few. Psalm uh 71:18. Now also, when I'm old and gray-headed, O oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation. Your power to everyone who is to come. So important. That's, that's where somehow these European nations missed it. Somehow they weren't able to. What's that? These Christians in the European nations somehow were not able to transition and keep, keep the gospel going to the next generation. And, you know, we see the same thing happening here to a degree, and we have to, we have to find a way to yes. turn that around. Amen. And the thing I'm saying today is God has the way. Yes. yes. You know, I can't tell you, I can't give you the prescription, but I know he, the one who has it. Uh, Psalm 145, verse 4. One generation shall praise your works to another (coughs) and shall declare your mighty acts. Psalm 119, verse 90. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. See, God's not done with this next generation. You establish the earth and it abides. In other words, just as much as as the, the earth is abiding, so is his faithfulness abiding. He will still move just like he did in the days of old. Amen, amen. He will still split the Red Sea, right? He will still, you know, rain fire from heaven. He will still feed the multitudes and heal the sick and raise the dead. Walk on water. What's that? Walk on water. Walk on water. That's one I'd like to do too. And how's <laughs> their practice going? that was after Psalm 71 18. Yes, Psalm 145, verse 4: One generation shall praise your works to another. And what was Psalm 119? Psalm 119, 90. Oh, One, 90. Nine, nine. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth, and it abides. And then Psalm 100, verse 5: For the Lord is good; his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. All it is not out of style out of mode amen you know god is awesome man amen praise god i was reading about a church on the <coughs> on the internet actually a church in minnesota and uh, the headline is church tells members over 60 to worship elsewhere yeah. Yeah, what error, what a, what a mistake, yeah. you know, but you see, it's in the zeal to reach the next generation, they think the way is to discard the old, no, no, they need the older generation, amen, this is a family, <laughs> this is a family, everyone is needed, everyone on deck, praise God. And in the same vein, you know, we're surprised by that. But there's some churches that really don't welcome the young. Now, they may not say it, but the attitudes are oh, don't come in here with those, you know, uh, piercings and all that stuff, you know. No, you know, these are people that God loves. Amen. And so we have to have this attitude of openness to reach people of all ages. We've got to learn to connect with all generations, not just people that are like us. Right. Some folks think, well, we've run out of people that are like us, so we can't <laughs> reach people. <laughs> you gotta reach people that are not like you. Yes. They're important too. Can I have an amen? Amen. amen. All right, do we have time for one more portion of scripture? Of course. All right. Acts. I think it's important, and so we'll go there. Acts 10. Now, this is amazing. long Act- not a review. <laughs> no. Well, it's a challenge again, you know. But uh, Acts chapter 10. And uh, we're going to begin reading in the ninth, in the ninth uh, verse here. <clears throat> the next day as they went on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray, everybody say pray, pray. about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they, they made ready, he fell into a trance, and he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. And this was done three times. And the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And of course, the part we didn't read was Cornelius also had a vision, and an angel spoke to him and told him to get a hold of Peter. So here, here is a, these two supernatural events that brought these two people, these two groups of people, uh, together. Amen. Amen. And this is so significant. I was thinking about in, in, talking about the big picture of the Bible. This is so significant in the history of the Bible and the word of God and what God did and the move of God. If this had not happened, think about, think about where we would be today. If this had not happened, This was so significant because here was this early church that had been with Jesus, that was seeing miracles. People were getting saved, but they were mostly all Jewish people. And even though Jesus had said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, because of their cultural bondage and mindset, they weren't doing it, right? Right. They were stuck in a rut. They, were, they could not accept what God was doing. They could not see what the Father was doing because of their mentality, the yes. strongholds of their mentality. So God had to send an angel to the one group, this, this, this man who loved God but didn't know about Jesus, this Gentile, this dog, you know, according to the Jewish mentality, had to send an angel to him because he loved him to tell him to get a hold of Peter who really wasn't there to minister to him yet. <laughs> wasn't there mentally to minister to him yet, right? So then he he comes, the Lord comes to Peter in a vision. He puts him in a trance. Now, we see, that's strange to see the word trance in the Bible, you know? We think, wow, that's... Uh, really hocus pocus, you know, or something. But a trance is like a, it's like when you're in a trance, your, your um, uh, senses are suspended. In other words, we have visions like, a, I've had them here, you know, pictures, the Lord will give a, a picture, like we call them a mini-vision, okay? This is not a mini-vision. <laughs> Peter did not have a mini-vision, okay? He was out, I mean, he was, he was awake, he was alert completely, yeah. but zzz, no seeing, no hearing, nothing. He, zzz, he was in another realm, in a trance. And he heard, he saw this vision of the, of the sheep with all these different animals coming down, and said, rise, Peter, eat it. rise and eat. And Peter says, no, Lord, I've never done that before. <laughs> Somebody said, the famous last words of a dying church, we've never done it that way before. <laughs> right yeah. he was not open to new ideas God had to sort of almost knock him out so he could speak to him you know sometimes God does that God wants us to be led by the spirit he doesn't want us to depend on you know supernatural spectacular guidance like this but there are times when he just has to do it this way and this is one because this was so important to the plan of God you think about it because the church was off base, off They weren't moving into the will of God. But at this point, you know, it was obvious what God was doing. And through this, the Lord was speaking to Peter that the Gentiles were not unclean because God was calling them clean. God was making a way for them to come to him. Amen. But Peter says, well, I've never done it that way. And then the Spirit spoke to him. Three men are coming. You go with them. So he invites them in. And they spend the night. And so I see like three things here. First of all, new relationships. New relationships came by the operation of the Spirit. All right. Secondly, new revelation. Because this was the revelation that really opened the door to the fact that we're saved by faith, by grace. Yeah, they they knew it, but they weren't really walking the light of it. You see later, first of all, Peter gets called on the carpet in chapter, I think chapter 11, because he went in with Gentiles and spent time with them. So the church (laughs) is saying, what's the matter with you? You went in there you ate with them Gentiles. He said, well, here's what the Lord did. And they said, oh, okay, well, if so they, they saw that it was God, right? Through the experience of, of you know, Peter having this vision, going, and Cornelius and his family getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. They realized this is God, okay? Then later, here's all these people, these Jewish people were going out into following Paul around to these churches and saying, well, that was nice what Paul taught you, but you have to be circumcised to be saved. And, he, and Paul said, No, they're saved by faith, through, by grace through faith. And so there was a controversy which really threatened the move of God. So then they sent these men to Jerusalem to decide the matter. So they come to the same council, the leaders in Jerusalem, and say, Well, what about this? Well, they talked it over and Peter shared, you know, and, and, and finally James stood up <laughs> and said, The Lord determined through Peter that we were to reach the Gentiles. And so my sentence is that we don't bother them with all this circumcision stuff, that we let them know that they're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. So they wrote a letter, sent it back with Barnabas, Paul, Silas, and they went back to that area and they let the people know you're saved by faith. So what if this had not happened? This vision was so crucial. But you see, they were locked into a mentality that kept them from moving into the new season. Yes. And it can be the same thing for us today. Yes. It's It's critical that we open our minds and hearts to what God has in this hour to be able to hear his voice. You know, I've experienced this where God has directed me a certain way and you just know, oh, and it just works. You know, to go see someone, speak to someone and it's just the right timing. So God yeah. wants to bring new relationships, new rela- uh new revelation. It's not going to disagree with the Bible, but it's going to be fresh revelation and a new season. Yes. But it requires us to be open. Yes. The scripture that came to mind when I was reading this is um Psalm 32, 9 says, Be not as the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth was, must be held in with a bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. So, you know, we're not supposed to be like a horse. We're not supposed to be stubborn. We're supposed to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and ready to move with him. Yeah. So God's doing a new thing in this day. So be open to the Holy Spirit. Be open to the Holy Spirit. And I think, you know, the, besides that, the other thing is to keep the big picture, the perspective. We have that. So we must keep that big picture perspective. We must be open to the Holy Spirit. And we need to move with God in this hour, and we will see awesome things. I believe that God wants to bring new relationships. How is the church built? but by relationships. Yes. And there's people in your circle, or maybe they're not in your circle. Maybe you don't even know them. But there's people that you can connect with that are just waiting. You know, Cornelius, he was just hungry for God. He's just ready, right? right? He just needed somebody to come to him. Jesus said the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. So I just feel the Lord really encouraging us to, you know, press into the area of of walking in the Spirit continually. Amen. Avoid those things that pull us out of the Spirit. Don't be removed from uh, hearing God's voice by distractions. Really be sensitive to the voice of the Lord and move with Him in this hour, and and we'll have success. Because it's not dependent upon our abilities. It's not dependent on our abilities. It's God's ability working through us. Can I have an amen? We pray you have been blessed and encouraged by this message from Tom Shanklin Ministries. Tom Shanklin Ministries is reaching the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We invite you to become part of this worldwide evangelistic outreach through your prayers and financial support. To request our free monthly newsletter, you can reach Tom Shanklin Ministries at 507-407-HELP. That's 507-407-4357. Visit Tom Shanklin Ministries online at TomShanklin.org or send cards and letters to Tom Shanklin Ministries, P.O. Box 4144, Mankato, Minnesota 56002.